And go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to be continuing in our series titled uh, Ignite Your Faith. And today, I want to challenge you to actively get involved in church. And in one sense, it's going to sound a little self-serving, because after all, where are you today? You're in church. So it, it sort of sounds obvious, doesn't it, that, that you, for me to come up here and say, be involved in church. But the reason that I stand here before you all today, 470 miles away from any family, is because I am passionate about the local church and the importance of the church. The reason why I pursued pastoral ministry many years ago was not because of the high pay or because everyone loves me or because of how stress-free the position is. And I say that in sarcasm, by the way. I chose this job because I believe that the church is vital to people growing spiritually. That if we don't have a vibrant, growing church, then people are going to be missing out on growing in their faith. And a few years back, I was having a conversation with a conversation with some people here at Island Pond, some of the leaders, and we were discussing what to do about this this one family that wasn't coming to church very often. And the the realization is that you can't force someone to come to church. I can't go out there and break any more kneecaps. I'm done. I'm going to be arrested soon if I do that anymore. And so I encouraged this family. I, I prayed for them to come. But that was really, that was all that I could do. But after seeing the pattern, I, I told one of the leaders one day that I said, if this continues, then in a few years, they're not going to be at church at all. And sure enough, the pattern continued and I haven't seen them in a long, long time. And the reason I share this story is because the lack of attendance in church was a predictor of their lack of spiritual growth. And so as we continue in our series titled Ignite Your Faith, we've been looking at five steps that you can take in 2023 to grow spiritually, to grow in your faith. Five things that you can do this year to see 2023 as a year of spiritual growth. And so here is number three. We looked at number one and two the last two weeks. Number three is get involved or get actively involved in a good, and I think I added this later, a good biblical church. A good biblical church. And so I'm going to start out by reading our passage, and it's going to be Hebrews 10, uh, verses 24 and 25. But for context, I'm going to begin in verse 19. I'll read all the way through 19, but we'll be focusing on verses 24 and 25. And so let me go ahead and read that today. The, the, The author of Hebrews writes, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, By the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Going right into our main passage now, verse 24. And let us consider 
how to stir up one another with love, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So if you saw back in verse 19, he began, the author began with the word, therefore. And as I've said before, that's the clue right there that we need to look back to see what he's saying. Because he's saying these upcoming words as a therefore of the previous words. And the, the previous part of the chapter, of chapter 10, he was talking about how Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice for us. How, how Jesus dying for us made a way for us to be forgiven and he became the ultimate sacrifice for us. Therefore, since we have been ultimately forgiven by Jesus, through Jesus, we now have a way, access to God, a way to God. And because of that, the author of Hebrews is saying, don't hold back. Just because you mess up, don't just stop. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep pressing on because you have access to God. He's not kicking you out here because you messed up yesterday. He's not pushing you out of the family because you did this or this. Through Jesus, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. And so then the author gives, starting verse 22, a couple of ways that we can press on, that we can grow in our faith. So for example, verse 22, he says, draw near with a heart with a true heart in full assurance of faith. So draw near to God. And we talked a little bit more about that the past two weeks. Verse 23, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And so don't just be whimsical about it. Hold on to it because that is there for the taking there. In verse 24, he says, and let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works. And so now that God has done this in you, now you work in other lives and stir them and, and push them and gr- help them to grow in their lives. And this is now, verse 24 is connected to verse 25, where he says, not neglecting to meet together. Not neglecting to meet together. And so again, I'm going to focus on these last two, 24 and 25. So the author links, verse 24, stirring one another up to not neglecting one an- to meet together. So this author here, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but this author saw the power of being part of the local church. He saw how it can impact your life, how it can grow your faith. He saw the importance of it. Let me take a step back now before we go any further. And let me just ask the question, what is the church? Because that'd be important to know if we're going to be talking about being part of a church. Some of you who have been in church for a while probably heard this part. But let me go ahead and go through this quickly, that the church is the body of Christ composed of Christians that are led by Jesus Christ, that are led by Jesus Christ. So it can be understood in two ways. So there is the universal church, and the universal church is composed of all Christians around the world. And really of all time. And so we are part, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, we are part of the universal church and the Christians that are in China right now, probably sleeping, but right now over there, they are part of the universal church as well. So any person that's put their faith in Jesus Christ, no matter where they are, is part of the universal church. But on the other hand, the local church 
is composed of a group of Christians, a group of people who follow Christ, who have put their faith in Christ, who meet in a particular area. And so, Island Pond Baptist Church, we are a local church. We are a local church. Calvary Bible Church over in Derry, they are a local church. And so on and so forth. You get what I'm saying here? The church has two main purposes. So the first purpose is, is to focus on loving and glorifying God through becoming more like Him. So as the church, as we study the Bible together, as we pray together, as we participate in communion together, baptism and fellowship together, and all these things, we are learning to become more like God and encouraging each other. Second, the second real main purpose of the church is that it acts as the hands and feet of Jesus by going into the world and telling others the good news. So it's important to see here that the church is not, the local church here is not a building. This building here is not the church. We are the church and we gather here in this very nice building. And so the building is not the church. Additionally, the gathering on Sunday morning here is not the church. And so Sunday morning is one time that the body of believers here gathers together to worship God. But Sunday morning is not the only time that there is, quote, church. So in our context and in our culture, in our American culture, we often use the word, I'm going to church. And so that's just understood to say that we are gathering together to worship together. So I'm not saying don't throw that away. But we need to recognize that Sunday morning is not the only time the church is the church. All of us together, we are the church. And so with those things established, let me ask the question, why did the author of Hebrews tell Christians to not neglect meeting together? Why did the author of Hebrews say that this is so important? In other words, then, what's the big deal with church? And so to put it in context of what we've been talking about the past couple weeks, why is it so important for Christians to be part of a church? So we looked at it a little bit big picture, how, how we're the hands and feet and how we uh, help people grow together and, and all of that. And we'll be talking more about that soon. But in the context of growing spiritually, what's the big deal? And so I want to give you three reasons why attending church will grow your faith. So these are not the only three reasons why you should be part of a church, but three reasons why attending church will grow your faith. Here is number one, obedience. Obedience, that you are doing what God says to do. Now admit, there is no verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt go to church. No verse that says that. But if you look at the Bible as a whole and look at all the different passages and, and, and look at all the different references to people gathering and different New Testament passages, you will see that there is clearly an established expectation that those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ need to be part of a local church that they need to be part of it. In the book of Acts, after many people turned to Jesus at the very beginning, 
Luke writes this in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 40, 42. He says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread of, and breaking of bread and the prayers. Skipping ahead to verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Going to the uh, another New Testament book in 1 Timothy 4, Paul encourages people to, quote, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, that's sort of like an encouragement, and to teaching. So let me ask you, how can you do this? How can you do this if you're not part of a local body of believers, of the local church? When you attend church, you are doing what God is telling us to do. That's the first reason why, that it's obedience. Obedience. Second reason why that is that it exposes you to the Word of God on a regular basis. As you uh, probably know, I moved up here uh, about five and a half years ago. And uh, a year or two ago, my daughter, my older daughter, came up to me and said to me, I can hear myself starting to talk in a Boston accent. And how is that possible? She was born in Maryland. Well, it wasn't a miraculous conception of Boston accent, was it? No, what happened was that she was around other people with that accent and started saying similar things to what the people around her started to say. And so the longer that she is living in New England, the more of its culture and its language will influence her and my kids. And there may come a day where my kids may even influence my commanders, my Washington commanders, and and cheer for the Patriots. And there may come a day even where they look at hockey and like it. And all I'd say is that would be wicked bad. Now, have you ever seen those cute old couples that dress the same? When I was in college, I watched, uh, I was at a missions conference. And at the missions conference, there's this breakout session that I, that I went to. And it, the, this missionary couple that I think it was from Indonesia or something, uh, they're an American couple. They came and spoke at the conference. And they dressed exactly the same, identical. They had matching blue floral Hawaiian shirts with m- matching blue shirt, uh, pants there, shorts. Not just one of them, but both of them wore that exact same outfit. Now, what in the world would cause a couple to wear the exact same clothes at the exact same time? I'm sure there's a a PhD student that could study this and come up with some good answers. But here's my theory. They have been around together, around each other so much that their interests just begin to mesh together. And so what one likes, the other begins to like, and vice versa. And so as they do that, they start to to dress the same. So the point here that I'm making is that the more we are around something, the more that it has a chance to influence us. 
And so this can happen negatively. The more that you are around friends that negative influence you, the, the more that can happen. The, bad, the, the more of a bad influence they are around you. This can also happen positively as well. So when you attend church, you expose yourself to the Word of God. Let me ask you, uh, how many of you this week were able to spend 10 to 20 hours studying a single passage of Scripture? Not too many, right? But guess who has? That's because you all have employed me, and I come here, and I study Scripture, and then I do my best to share what I've learned with you each Sunday. And so as you come out each Sunday, you are gaining from the vast knowledge that I have gained during the week. And so when you don't come to church, guess what you're missing out on? Some really good knowledge that I want to share. Now I admit, one visit to church may not change your life. But what if, and and I will say it certainly could, but what if you went to church a hundred times over the next two years? Over that period of time, how much of an impact could it have on your life? The great 19th century evangelist Dwight Moody said, church attendance is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood to a sick man. That's how important it is. Now recognize, we all have busy lives. Anyone else bored all week long? Nothing to do? No, we all have lots of things that we could be doing, right? There are plenty of other exciting, interesting things that we could be doing right now on Sunday morning. And so it's far too common to see people at church only show up once a month or twice a month. And this is not just this church. This is all around America. And listen, if that is what you, where you say, oh, I'm going to sink down in my seat. I haven't been here since last month. I want to say, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're here, but you will benefit so much more if you come every week. You will benefit so much more if you make it a priority over soccer games, over weekend outings that happen every week, over birthday parties, and over sleeping in. You will benefit so much more. I'll be talking a little bit more about that in a moment. Third reason why attending church will grow your faith, and that is because you are around others that can help you grow. You're around others that can help you grow. And so being in church surrounds you with people who follow God, where they can positively influence you. And and these people can help you grow spiritually. But listen, you can also help other people grow spiritually. And so for the rest of the time, I want to focus on this idea here. I want to focus on the community aspect of church and the importance of it. So as I said before, church is not just a Sunday gathering. It's important, very important. I just said, be here every week. But that is not the only aspect of church. There is huge benefits from worshiping together, but there are also huge benefits 
from as a church members, as church, as for us being together, being together. So let me give you three reasons why we need each other and we need to be around each other. First reason, we all have spiritual blind spots. We all have them. This week, my wife and I were watching a TV show. She likes the, uh, the reality shows. And so we were watching this one where it's a bunch of folks there. And there's this young, handsome, very muscular guy. And uh, he decided that he would start flirting with two different women, attempting to not make either one know that the, the, he was flirting with the other. So he does that. He flirts away. But then one of them finds out. And she is angry. But the funny part is, as we're watching this show, he has no idea that what he has done is wrong. That even after it comes out, that he's done that, he's like, eh, okay, I've said sorry. He doesn't know that he's about to experience the wrath of the woman that he insulted. And so she works behind the scenes, and she ends up getting him voted out. And even at the end, when he's voted out, he's like, what did I do? What did I do? He had a blind spot. He didn't know that it wasn't okay to flirt with multiple women at the same time when you're telling them that they're the only one. He didn't know he shouldn't be doing that. No matter how self-aware each of us are, you have blind spots as well. And so without realizing it, you are likely ignoring parts of Scripture. You are likely uh, engaging in aspects of sin that that the Bible says is clearly sin, but but you don't recognize it. So it's not even that you're you're blatantly trying to sin. You, You just don't realize it. And there are people that are around you in church that can help you see these things if you will be around them and let them speak into your life. Husbands, who is the best person to point out the deficiencies in your life? Wives, who uh, is the best person to point out the deficiencies in your life? It's your spouse, the one you're closest to. So godly people in church are more likely to point out the blind spots that you have. Here's the second reason. Second reason why this community aspect of church is so important, that we will grow more if we have someone to model spiritual maturity for us. So one of the most important tools for spiritual growth is having a spiritually mature person show us how to live out the Christian life. So it's one thing to to read about it, and it's one thing to, to sort of study it for yourself, and that's important. But it's another thing to see it lived out. And there's going to be no perfect person to model that perfectly, but if you will look at people who are further down the spiritual road than you, then you can grow by looking at seeing what they do in certain things. And so I want to encourage you 
Look to others, and as you do that, they can help you grow. Third thing, helping others will help you. So as we help others, as we pour into their lives, as we invest in helping others grow, guess what happens to you? You grow as well. You grow as well. And so praying for and encouraging someone who is struggling with sin helps you understand that sin and helps you be more aware of sin in your life. Helping someone who is, who is going through a, a time of uh, lacking faith or a time of doubt helps you do that, helps you process that as well. I came across this article about the, the power of community, and it talked about how in uh, England they had this study and they found there was one thing that caused a dramatic fall in ER visits. And so they were studying those who lived alone, who lived isolated lives, but were frequently visiting the hospital. And they found that when an isolated person was connected to a community of volunteers, to people, to resources, to, to, to people that they could talk to, the ER visits dropped dramatically. Dramatically. The study also mentioned other studies. For example, it mentioned how HIV patients with strong social support have lower levels of the virus than those without. They talked about how women have a better chance of surviving colorectal cancer if they have strong connections. And they also talked about how older patients who have either one or two chronic diseases, do not have higher death rates than those who are not suffering a chronic disease as long as they have high levels of support, of social support. All that to say, community makes a difference. Community makes a difference. And as Christians... We find that community here in our local church. So before I close, I want to just briefly give you a few actions to consider taking in light of what we've talked about. So here is action number one. I want to challenge you to commit to attending church every week. Every week. So whether that be here at Island Pond, or maybe you've come here today and you're like, oh, I don't like that, Pastor. If you go to the church down the street. But wherever you find is the church that you feel is best for you, a good biblical church, that is, a Bible-believing church, I would encourage you, stick with it. Stick with it. Now, I don't want you to be legalistic, though, about church attendance. Listen, we, we are not saved by how often we go to church. And so don't get caught up in saying, I have to go to church or else God's going to reject me. That would be legalism there. And so I encourage you to make church a, commit, a priority in your life, but realize things come up. So if there's someone sick, then you have to stay home. But make it a priority. Uh, a few years ago, my, one of my kids was interested in a sports uh, something, some sort of sports. I can't remember what it was. And we looked at it and we saw the games take place on Sunday morning. So guess what we told her? We said, uh-uh, no, church is more important. Church is more important. But then 
in uh, our, one of our, other, our oldest son here, he's in uh, band, and there's going to be a, a time in March where one weekend he has to be at some tournament or something, and he's going to miss Sunday. And we said, okay, it's just one time, so we'll do it. When we go on vacation, we do our best to try to find a local church to plug into, to, to, to visit. But when we're traveling on a Sunday, then we say, all right, we'll just watch it online. And so all that to say, make it a priority, but don't be legalistic about it. Second, I want to challenge you to commit to church membership. To commit to church membership. And I go more in depth on why church membership is important in the membership class. So if you want to know more about why membership is important, then I encourage you to check out the class there. But the bottom line is that if you are committing to someone, put the ring on the finger, right? And so if Island Pond is your church, then you should become an official member of the church. So this, as you become a member, you are opened up to more opportunities to serve and to be part of the church. And it also opens you up to more accountability as well. So all of these are good things that can help you grow and you can help others grow. Third, I want to encourage you to commit to getting involved in the church. So attending is a great first step. But again, if that is all you're doing then you are missing out on some really good benefits when you're really involved. And so I want to challenge you to serve in some area in the church, to serve in some area, whether that be children's ministry or singing or sound booth or greeting or cooking or serving in some way, or as happened this week, this past week, climbing into the attic to run electrical lines. There's lots of different areas to be involved here in the church, but our church is only as good as you all make it. So there's only so much the pastor, the paid staff can do. But our church is only as good as you make it. I also want to challenge you to find a small group to get involved in. We have a lot of different types of small groups that we offer. We have Sunday school classes. We have men's groups. We have women's groups. And we have some other groups that are going to be starting in, uh, soon in the middle of the week. We have an online group that's going to be starting soon. And all of these are ways for you to, to connect with others as you're being challenged, which is a good benefit for all of us. So I want to close uh, with this story that I read uh, last year when it came up in the news. And it happened on Wednesday, May 11th, 2022, there was a pilot and a passenger, and they were flying in a Grand Cessna caravan, which is just a little plane. And all of a sudden, the pilot had some sort of medical emergency. The passenger was a little upset because the pilot became incapaci- incapacitated. He couldn't fly the plane anymore. That's a big what whoa minute, right? So the passenger didn't know how to fly. And he didn't even know where he was up there in the sky. And so he quickly got on the radio and he called for help. Robert Morgan was an air, or is an air traffic controller at Palm Beach International Airport. And he was on a lunch break sitting outside reading a book 
when one of his co-workers comes to him and says, there's a passenger flying a plane that's not a pilot, and the pilot is incapacitated, so they need you to help him land, try and land the plane. No pressure, right? Morgan went inside. He happened to be a flight instructor uh, with 1,200 hours of training. He had never flown a Grand Cessna caravan, so he had to look up a picture of the cockpit to be able to help the guy in the air. Eventually, though, he helped Morgan figure out where he was, or Morgan helped him figure out where he was, and he led the passenger back to the airport, and he then told the passenger how, over the radio here, how to land the plane. The, pa- the passenger was able to land the plane safely, and then finally, when it came to a stop, he asked, how do I turn this thing off? It's a good question to ask. I don't know what happened to the pilot. I, I should have looked that up this week. But when I read this story, I thought, that is a picture of the church. That is a picture of the church. Sometimes it seems like we are in big trouble. And we need someone else to come and help us. And in church, that's what we are there for each other. Other times, though, we're doing pretty well. And someone else seems like they're about to crash. And if you are available, you can help them. Both benefits come from being part of the local church. And so today I want to challenge you. Commit to Island Pond or another church. Commit to it. And when you do, you are putting yourself in a position to ignite your faith, to grow spiritually. As I wrap up now, I already talked about this in the first one, but I know some weren't here. I want to say that it all starts, it all starts, if you want to grow spiritually, it all starts with putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you've never done that before, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Meaning that that if you act on it and believe it, not just think it, but if you truly believe it, you call out to him, you will be saved. He will save you. He won't look at you and say, you are too sinful. Because as we saw in Hebrews, Jesus took care of the sin part. So turn to him and put your faith in him today. Let's go ahead and spend a moment now in prayer and worship team, come on up.